Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and as always, it is always an honor to us to be to come to you uh, and to be able to share, I believe, uh, this time of fellowship in the Word with each and every one of our listeners. You know, we, we sense that the Lord has brought us together. There's a closeness that we have, even though we can't see you. There is a closeness that we have and a fellowship that we have by the Spirit of God. And we are so happy and we're mindful of that. And we thank you, uh, all our listeners, because it is through you that make these podcasts possible, just your faith and and the hunger that we sense that is beginning to arise in God's people. And so today uh, we want to begin quickly our, our Bible study. There's so many beautiful things that we're studying concerning the person of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. But before we start, I just wanted to make a quick announcement that uh, this Saturday and Sunday, uh, we will not have a podcast, but we will be back on Monday the 20th to continue with our series that we have just begun, that we have named What's Next. So just be praying and and be expecting, uh, be in, in, in an expectation uh, of what God has. But today is Friday the 17th, and we will be back on Monday the 20th. So um, we are so happy once again to have to be here with the panel, to be here with Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, Brother Marty. It's always a pleasure to share God's Word uh, together. So Brother Marty, we're excited about the Word of God today. I mean, the last few days, uh, the Lord has been taking us to depths of the Word of God and Yesterday was such a blessing. We heard some of the comments and some of the people that have said that they were so blessed to see how we were able to see the gospel in Genesis chapter one, in chapter one, verse one through five, and and just really the profoundness and where we're going as God is revealing um, these things unto us. So, Brother Marty, as we continue in our study, it's a pleasure to be with you. Amen. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you guys again, and we're excited about what the Lord has to say today. Uh, if there's a title for today, we're going to call it, uh, I Form the Light. I Form the Light. That comes from Isaiah 45, and I encourage you all to turn your in your Bibles to Isaiah 45, and we'll get there in a second. But I, I just want to talk briefly about uh, a little bit what we started with yesterday, because really what we're looking at and emphasizing here is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit understanding uh, his mission, his function, uh, that which he accomplishes, and that which he was sent exclusively to do, and that is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. As we talked about in, in John 14 through 17, the Lord reveals the mission, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in great depth as it relates to the church. But in one of the things that he said concerning the Holy Spirit, or two, I should really mention, is one, he said, I have many, many things I need to reveal to you, but you can't receive them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he said, he will teach you all things. And so just by him saying that, what we learn and can glean from what the Lord was revealing to us there was that spiritual things in the nature that Christ wants to express to his church cannot be understood except the Spirit be residing in your heart. And that Spirit of God comes into your heart when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. As Paul told us in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he said, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the second thing he said was that he would reveal all things to us and that he would not speak of himself, but that he would testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his exclusive purpose in the earth has always been to reveal Christ. And so we began to go all the way back to look at where do we find the Holy Spirit first showing up in the, in the scriptures? And of course, that led us to Genesis right off the bat in, in, in verse one, uh, chapter one. I mean, it, and, and that's what we're going to look at there briefly, and then we'll get to Isaiah. And I think God is going to show us some amazing things. So in Genesis 1, 1, if you remember, we said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word in beginning, the word beginning was the word rashith. And that word means first fruits or first in order, first in position, first in rank. And so Moses is writing by the Holy Spirit and, and, and he writes as things were revealed to him. And so he first draws our attention to eternity past. 
with the purpose of unfolding the mysteries of all that we are witnessing and have been witnessing over the last several thousand years of human history. It is God's declaration to us right from the beginning of what it is he's intending to do. And Moses begins by stating that God created the heaven and the earth. And we talked about that yesterday, is that what Moses is stating as it was revealed to him by God and what God wants to communicate in the word Rashith and the word created, in the beginning God created, the word beginning literally means that the heaven and the earth that he made belong to him. That's what first fruits is. We talked about when children are born, uh, according to Levitical law, the first boy that is born that opens the womb, he says, is holy unto the Lord or first fruits unto the Lord. It was a principle. Uh, the tithes, for example, in the Levitical law was 10%, the first fruit, um, the first fruit of the harvest. They would bring the first portion of the harvest and they'd bring it to God's house. So it's a principle set forth throughout the word of God that the first of everything belongs to God. And and so that's what he was saying in Genesis 1.1. That's how he chooses to begin the word, by stating to us that the heaven and the earth are his. And then we ta started talking, as Moses wrote about it, that, that the word bara, in the beginning God bara, or created, is a statement that uh, the word bara literally means to be perfect and to be an absolute. In other words, what he's saying in verse 1 is, I created the heaven and the earth, they belong to me, and when I created them, I, I created them as a finished product. And this is so vital to understand, if we're going to understand the unfolding plan of salvation. The big question, you know, that people ask you of, of why, right? So, so it's from that first statement in verse one of chapter one of Genesis, it was it was established that the heaven and the earth are God's holy and exclusive property, and that is important to understand because when we get to verse two, our attention is drawn away from heaven and earth, and it's brought exclusively to focus on the earth. And that's what Moses right. is trying to say, right? Okay, I want you to pay attention to the earth. Because then what he begins to reveal, as we go, went on and talked about yesterday, is that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we broke that all down yesterday. And you can go back and listen to April 16th podcast. But what what was basically said is that now that our attention is drawn to the earth, we know by the words that were used in verse 1 that something occurred on the earth because it was revealed that the earth was now plunged into darkness. And the, all those words we talked about yesterday and we broke them down, we don't have time today, but in essence, what was being revealed is that the earth became a desolate, empty wilderness. It was emptied of life. And it was emptied of life by being flooded it was covered in water. And that's what it says, that the earth became uh, without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The word darkness literally means misery and destruction and death. And so what Moses was revealing in verse 2 was that from verse 1, the heaven and the earth, which was created absolute perfect and belonged to God, now God turns our attention to verse 2, revealing to us that something happened that required him to begin to, to draw his attention to the earth because something happened. The earth became without form. The earth became enwrapped in, in darkness, and the earth was emptied or made void. And so what Moses is revealing there is that it came from being a beautiful place to being a wilderness and a desert and completely devoid of life with darkness that is death and destruction now dwelling upon the earth and the response by god was to flood it with water darkness came upon the face of the deep and that word deep literally means the abyss the surging mass of water now listen this is where i'm going to want brother jeremy to read uh isaiah 45 18 because Isaiah gives us an insight here as to what we're talking about. 
God did not originally make the earth that way for those who would argue against this. And, and when we, when we, when we look at it, what's being revealed is that the earth was plunged into a state of destruction, emptiness, and a desert-like condition that necessitated a, a huge response of, of, of judgmental waters, if you will, to purge it from its death, misery, and destruction. Read what prophet Isaiah said, Brother Jeremy, if you would, uh, because the Lord revealed something to us through the prophet Isaiah in prophet Isaiah's writings, uh, chapter 45, verse 18. Could you read that? Yes. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So what, what, what the prophet reveals to us there by the Spirit of the Lord, remember, the Bible teaches us that it's the Holy Spirit that spoke through the prophet. And so what we're talking about is the Spirit of God and his working throughout history. But here what is revealed to us by the prophet Isaiah is that he created the heavens and he formed the earth and he made it and he established it. But he didn't do it as an empty, destroyed place. He right. formed it to be inhabited, right? So it was made to be inhabited. So so that seems to be revealing to us that what actually happened in verse 2 was a formerly formed earth uh, was filled with and teeming with life of what sort. I ain't got time to get into all that because that's not our subject today. But just understand there was life of all sorts here. And he said, I made it and, and made it to be inhabited or have, have, have beings dwelling on it. So when we, when we read verse 2, which Moses revealed that it was now empty, it was, it was vain, it was dark, and it was destroyed, that's completely different than what Isaiah reveals by the Spirit was the original position of the earth. Now, because of that darkness that came upon the face of the deep, what do we know in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3? We were told that the Lord calls for the light, right? He called for the light. He said, let there be light. And it's that light that we want to talk about today. Because the light, as we revealed yesterday, and you can go back and listen to it, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, the Spirit of God, began to move on those waters, calm them down, and then God says, let there be light. And God sees the light, the light is good, and he calls the light uh, day, and the darkness he calls night, and he separates the light from the darkness. The evening and the morning were the first day. But we want to talk about this light, because the light of the original declaration in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, is the Lord Jesus Christ, and God began to talk to the light. And, and Isaiah then which is where we're headed to now, begins to reveal even more about what God was going to do with that light. Can you go over to Isaiah, brothers? Isaiah 45? Yes. Yes. Now check this out. With all that in mind, and again, I challenge you, or not challenge you, I <laughs> I encourage you to go back and, and listen to uh, the podcast from, from yesterday titled Let There Be Light. And 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 that's where we talk. Well, let me about just the God. can I say this, brother Marty, just for the listeners' sake of food for thought, because uh, we're talking about the necessity for light. Uh, we're talking about uh, Jesus being that light in, in in Genesis chapter one, but we, we're bringing up the point that in 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 the creation or birthing of the heaven and the earth, there was a prior creation on earth um, yes. before man put before God put man in the garden. And, and and I just want to throw this out for the listener's sake in case there's, there's you know, their heads all over the place saying, wait a minute, what are you saying? You know, Adam wasn't the first uh, person on earth. You know, well, Ezekiel 28, 13 says this uh, concerning Lucifer, and he's not Satan yet when the Lord is speaking about him here by the way he describes him. And he says Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, the question posed is, when? When was he there? Well, it yeah. says this, 
every precious stone was thy covering. So he is still Lucifer here, and he's in the garden. He is not Satan yet. Right. Okay? So and it says the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, and the barrel, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect. So he's speaking concerning uh, Lucifer. Uh, or as we know him now, Satan, in his perfect state, in the waste in the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. I want to go back to verse 13. He was in his perfect state, right, created perfect, in the Garden of Eden. So it is an allusion to what you read in Genesis chapter 1, uh, uh, verse verse 1 and verse 2. So the, the, the chaotic state that we see the the first earth in, Right, is is caused by this being who's on earth. Right, therefore, yeah. we see the necessity for when God says, "Now let there be light," after a, a process of things takes place, and 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 the Lord uh, brings a uh, refreshment, right, or a transition into this earth, and and so we can say, right now, we are in a sanctification period of this earth. Right, we we are being prepared for a glorification of sorts. But uh, I wanted to bring that out just for the listeners' sake. You, you have to take into account what Ezekiel is talking about, um, and and so so I wanted to bring that out. When is he talking about Lucifer, and when was Lucifer in the garden? Because when he shows up, and I don't want to I don't want to get too far away from, but I feel we need to lay this groundwork when he when when. When we see Satan show up in the garden, he is no longer Lucifer, right? He is the serpent. He's Satan. And that happens later on uh, in, in the chapter. But so I, I just want the listener to pay attention to those things and do their due diligence when they get the time. But the necessity for the light, which is Jesus Christ, is, is I don't want to say a reaction because God doesn't react to anything the devil does. It is, it is his response. It is how he is going to redeem the world absolutely and it's a it's a response that's a good word it's a it's not a reactionary response it's an omniscient response and <laughs> that's a fancy word for thing he's known all things and always has uh and and we don't have time because th- th- this would take a whole series of shows uh, a podcast to get into the depths of it but it's it, if the lord allows as we go forward we're going to be talking and tackling some kind these kinds of subjects like brother fernando was pointing out you know i've been avoiding uh talking about it but but basically that is what happened what brother fernando pointed out is that is and what we said earlier was that on the planet the as we read in prophet isaiah god said i made the planet i didn't make it empty i didn't make it void I made it to be inhabited, and and I created the heavens and the earth. He's he's preaching Genesis one one there, right through Isaiah, and he said I made it this way. Uh, and so by by comparing scripture with scripture, then we have to come to the conclusion. Well, then something happened. If you made it this way, God, like right. you reveal in Isaiah forty five eighteen, and yet we see it in Genesis chapter one verse two, absolutely dark, covered with an abyss. You know, I mean, all these descriptive languages. Then something right. obviously happens and so that's what we're looking at in the future we will go to those places to describe uh to to the to the to the brethren out there exactly what god reveals in and we pray uh in, in in great depth uh what happened before and and you know it is how god chose to reveal to moses so we're not we're not we're not you know uh speculating on something it is how god began the scriptures he takes our attention to eternity past. That's how he starts the Bible. In the beginning, I made an absolute right. creation, right? I made a first fruit for myself. All things were made by him. All things were made for him and for his pleasure they were made. That's what we're told in the book of Revelation. So it is God who revealed to Moses eternity past. And so if we were not supposed to meditate on what happened then, then he would have never started the Bible that way. But here we go. So we know that we've been plunged into darkness. And then 
the Spirit of God begins to move on the face of the waters in verse 2. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about, is understanding who the Holy Spirit is and why it was vital that he came to live in our heart so that we could understand the things that the Lord wants to tell us. That's what he told his disciples. You can't understand these things right now, but you will when I send the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit has been there since the very beginning in the gospel story, right? Because the Spirit is the one responsible for revealing to us the light. And that's why he shows up in, at the end of verse 2 as moving on the face of the waters to make way for the declaration. And God says, let there be light. The Spirit always precedes the revelation of the light. And that's what Jesus was saying. And so he's revealed first as a light. But when we get to Isaiah, he begins to unfold the plan even greater. And he says it plain, plain and simple. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse 6 and 7 to us? Yes, that day, excuse me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now check this out. What God is revealing by the prophet there is that his intention in all this was to make himself known. But then he begins to tell us what he did with the light and what his intention in the future would be for that light. That's what he begins to reveal by the Holy Spirit through Isaiah. And in order to understand this completely, because it's so profound what he's revealing now, because remember, we have the light in Genesis, but that's all we have. <laughs> but when we get to Isaiah, now he's talking about a formation I form the light. Now check this out, because this is profound. Because what he began to reveal to Isaiah is what he revealed to Moses in the first five verses of Genesis. Only now, it's even more profound what he begins to say about the light. He says, I form the light. Now, for those of you who have a strong concordance, you can look this up. The word form is the Hebrew word yatsar, or Y-A-T-S-A-R, yatsar. And literally what he's saying is, I'm, I take the light and I squeeze it into shape like a potter, like a potter forms a vessel out of the clay. That's what that word means. And so what he was beginning to reveal to Isaiah is that I'm going to take that light, the creation, so to speak, the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, and I'm going to form the light like a potter forms the clay. And that is exactly right. what happened. The light became flesh, right? The yes. word became flesh. And that's what he's revealing to Isaiah. I'm going to form the light. I'm going to squeeze it into shape like a potter squeezes clay into shape. Takes the earth and forms it. I'm going to deposit the light into a form made out of clay. And then he says this, and I create darkness. Well, that's a mistranslation, and, and I hate to say it, uh, you know, that way, because people right away, they check out and go, ah, see, you're making this up. No, go look it up. The word create that God uses there, uh, it doesn't, it, 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 as it's used in relation to the darkness, he's not saying I created darkness. The word create should be cut down. So it, it should read like this. I'm taking the light. I'm going to form it into a clay vessel. And I'm going to cut down darkness. That's what he's saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so you guys go look it up, and you'll see that I'm not lying to you. You know, but follow no, I'm everything it up right now. That what does it mean? It means there. It says, it says choose, create, but it also means cut down. Yes, that's what exactly what mm -hmm. you're saying right there. I'm, I'm, I am confirming it here. It says to cut down, to form. Right. So he's saying, Shape, I'm fashion. Yes. And to cut down darkness, right? Which is misery, yeah. death, and destruction. That's what that word darkness means. And we saw that darkness in Genesis 1, right? Genesis 1, uh, verse 2, he says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So when he's referencing the light here, I form the light and I cut down darkness. He's literally revealing the means by which he's going to ex extract 
misery, death, and destruction from all of creation. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> and, and that word cut down. It also means cut out, cut down and cut yeah, out. And cut out. But uh, check this. That's good. And check this. Yes. Because that's what Isaiah goes on to reveal in Isaiah fourteen twelve, right? How thou art fallen from uh, heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How thou art cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. It's the same word. So God was literally right. revealing through the prophet Isaiah, I'm going to take the light of Genesis, which I've, I've only uh, revealed to you as the light. But now I'm revealing through my prophet Isaiah that I'm going to take that very light and I'm going to shape it and place it within a clay vessel. That's what the word yatsad means. Can someone look up the word yatsad? Can you look that up, Brother Jeremy? Form, the word form. Yes, right here. Uh, this is from, yeah, there we go. It's uh, yatsar. Yes, I have it here. Uh, it, it means through the squeezing into shape. Yes, and what else? It also means to mold into a form, to determine, let me see, to fashion form, frame. Yes, all of that, what right? What else? Yes, yes. From, from earth or clay or like a potter does, right? I mean, it goes on to say all that. Yeah, it also says that too. Yeah, it says uh, like a potter. Yes. Uses the example so, of a potter. Yeah, potter purpose. So profound was the prophetic gift that Isaiah carried with him. It's the spirit of God himself speaking about the light through him and it's the holy spirit which is the spirit of, of, of prophecy who testifies about the light and he begins to move on the prophet isaiah using specific language right the hebrew word yatsan in other words i'm going to take the light and i'm going to shape it and mold it like a potter molds the clay and i'm going to fashion it and squeeze it into a shape and it's specifically going to be done so I can cut down darkness or cut out darkness, misery, death, and destruction from the entirety of the universe. That's what he's saying. Now, look what else so, he said. Brother Marty. Yes, Brother Marty. So, uh, maybe this is the question. So, when, when Lucifer, when iniquity was found in Lucifer and he was cast out of the garden, right? Yeah. Uh, what we're saying is that all this destruction and darkness came. It was yes. so immense. It, that literally it covered all of the creation of God. All, all of it. Right? Every bit of and it. That's why, Every bit of it. Yes. And, and that's why what you're saying is when the Bible says that he creates um, darkness, really what he's saying, he began to cut down because they had literally covered the earth. That's right. So he has to cut. Begin... Not only did it cover the earth, but it, it, it covered the entirety of the universe. See, yes. when we see it, we see, and we can go, in, we'll go into this. Right. If we go into this deeper in the days to come, we're going to see in the book of Hebrews, that's exactly what is revealed. See, when he sinned and, and, and unleashed, what is the wages of sin, right? The wages of sin is death. death. What, what is, can you turn over to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 real quick and read that to us? When he yes. sinned, he, mm -hmm. he unleashed the payment of sin, which is death. But not only did he unleash death, he became the exclusive owner of it. It was his power to inflict death. And death, destruction, and misery flooded the universe. And, and the contest from where it began, if you will, where the original sin began, was from the planet. It is why the judgment came down on it. Because that's where it originated. Because remember what God said in Genesis 1, verse 1, that the heaven and the earth are his. They're his first fruit. They're his first in rank. They belong to him. So he's not addressing heaven itself because you can't get near God. Because that's what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Right? Well, where did he mm. fall to? He, he fell to <laughs> yes. the planet. Right? Yes. And so, but he became a possessor of a power. And that's what he's right. attempting or by way of not attempting, but what he went about to to remove from him was was that power of death, and that's what he says. Start with verse thirteen. Would you read that in two thirteen and fourteen? Yes, Hebrews two thirteen and fourteen. Uh, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much. Then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself 
likewise took part of the same. He was forming that's, the light, right? He wait, he formed the light. That's what he was just telling us. I'm going to squeeze him into shape, and I'm going to deposit the light. That's what Paul is talking about. He took upon himself flesh and blood. He partook of the same and, and deposited the Lord himself into the clay vessel, which is what he was just saying to Isaiah. In order to do what, Jeremy? Read that. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver us who through all our life were subject to bondage through fear of death, right? He goes on to say. Yes. So think about yes. what we're seeing, what you just read there, is, is we're, what's being revealed is that the devil possessed a power that, that, could, that had to be taken from him. And by taking it from him, he actually destroyed him. Right? He destroyed him. He destroyed his power. And there was only one way to do it. He did it within the material universe. He did it within the confines of taking upon himself the sin of us all. And not only that, but the wrath that would be poured out upon all of creation had not Jesus came and intervened. But that's for another day. But listen. Okay, so go back to Isaiah 45. So what do we see there? God begins to prophesy how he's going to eradicate, or like Brother Fernando pointed out, cut out this darkness. I'm going to take the light of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and I'm going to form it and shape it. And it wasn't revealed really in its fullness until Isaiah began to speak it by the Spirit. Because the timing, remember, Isaiah is having this revealed to him 800 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is incredible. Only God could do this. So he, in verse 7, he says, I form the light. What I'm intending to do, he says, is to take that light and shape it into a vessel like a potter does the clay. And the purpose of it is to cut down darkness. I'm going to bring it down and cut it out and excise it like a cancer from my creation. And how am I going to do this? Because that's what he goes on to say. How will this be done? It'll be done by God himself. In the next three words, what does he say in the next three words after I create darkness, Brother Jeremy? It says, make peace. Uh, I'm from the light and create darkness. I make peace. I make and peace. Create. Mm -hmm. Or cut and down evil. Create or cut down evil. I, the yeah, Lord, so, do all these things. Right. So I'm going to form the light. I'm going to squeeze it into shape like a potter squeezes clay. And I'm going to deposit it in that vessel is literally what he's saying. And that vessel is going to cut down misery, death, and destruction, the devil himself. He says, how am I going to do this? He says, I'm going to do it. He says, I'm going to make peace. And this is really intense what Isaiah is saying because the word make is the Hebrew word asah. And if you look up that word, Brother Jeremy, you'll see that it says to fashion, to bruise, to sacrifice, to make an offering. My God, brothers. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so he's, re he's, re he's revealing there what actually took place in Genesis 1-3, right? When he said, let there be light. He's saying, I'm going to take that light. I'm going to shape it, form it, deposit it like a potter makes a clay vessel. I'm going to do, I'm going to put the light in this clay vessel for the express purpose of cutting down, cutting out, and removing death, destruction, and misery from the whole of creation. How am I going to do this, he says? I'm going to make peace. What does the word make mean? I'm going to take the light which I formed and squeezed into shape and turn it into a sacrifice. I'm going to bruise it. I'm going to make it an offering, and it will bring about peace. And that word peace is shalom, which means to have friendship with God, specifically through a covenant relationship. Uh, it also yeah. indicates it also indicates the <laughs> word peace that there has been a prior war taking, That's right. taking place. And which this is, is what exactly he what we're talking about. Which is what he's saying is I'm going to fashion and bruise the light that I formed and shaped into a vessel. I'm going to make that light an offering. And, and the result is that you will now have friendship with God specifically through a covenant relationship. And the result will be, I will eradicate, cut to pieces, 
evil, bad, moral, uh, the moral, the immoral spirit and all that the devil unleashed. That's what he reveals in Isaiah 45, 7. That's what happened to the light. That is what resulted, this destruction resulted from the original fall, right? It destroyed everything completely. But what God is revealing through the prophet is what he would do with the light. He would form it, shape it, put it in a vessel like a potter makes clay. And his intent for doing that is to cut down darkness, to eradicate and remove from the universe all misery, death, and destruction. How is he going to make this happen? Only he could. He says, I'm going to make the light. I'm going to fashion it for the express purpose of bruising it, sacrificing, and making an offering, which is his only son. The result will be peace through that offering, which, which means to have friendship with God, specifically through a covenant relationship. And as a result, when that is accomplished, he says, evil will have been cut down. And then he says, I, the Lord, do this. Hallelujah. I do it, he says. I'm making it happen. So then he goes on, and we're going to go quickly now. He, he goes on in verse 8. He now begins to tell us and to describe to us the process by which this is going to happen. Check this out. He says, drop down, you heavens, from above. So he, he then takes us to the heavenlies, right? And really that's the abode of God. He says it's going to originate from there. It's going to come down. And then he uses this phraseology. He says, uh, let the skies pour down righteousness. This is a description of the of the, de the descending of God's son. Listen, he comes from the heavens to the skies. So he's covering from heaven to the the universe, which is the second heaven, right? Or or, or and then he comes down to the earth. But listen, he goes on to say, how I'm going to accomplish all this we've just been talking about. He says it's going to originate in the heavens. It's going to come down into the second heaven, and it will come down to the earth. And then he begins to preach to the earth. He says, let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Again, listen to what he's saying. I'm going to accomplish this this destruction of evil and darkness by taking the light, which I've referenced in Genesis chapter one, verse three, I'm going to shape it, form that light and place it in a clay vessel or in a shaped squeezed instrument of my making. And then he says, as a result of that, I'm going to take that vessel that I made. And I'm going to make peace. In other words, I'm going to assa peace, which literally means I'm going to bruise the light, sacrifice the light, Make the light an offering, and it will make a way to have peace. And that word is shalom, which means to have friendship with God, specifically through a covenant relationship. And the result of it will be that evil, the devil, destruction, and misery will be cut down to pieces. It will be no more. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says how he's going to do it. It's going to come from the heavens, the, 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 the first heaven, right, down into the second heaven, which are the skies, and then it will it will go into the earth. Let the earth open. But once the earth opens, it says this, let them bring forth salvation. Why does it use that phraseology, them? Who's he referencing? He's referencing the Father and the Holy Spirit because something, this light is going to have to go down into the earth. And Jesus gave his hands, his life into the Father's hands, right? After he died, after he became that offering, the earth opened up and swallowed him, so to speak, right? He went down into the lower parts of the earth. But it was on the third day that they bring forth salvation. Salvation is where we get the word Ishua. That's what Ishua means. Joshua or Jesus, right? In the Greek, <laughs> Jesus is his name, Jesu or Ishua. Salvation is what Joshua means. Salvation He's literally saying the earth is going to open up and they are going to bring forth salvation, referencing the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 3, where it says he was declared to be the Son of God by the eternal Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who rose him from the dead. This is what Isaiah is revealing here. 
This is what the Spirit is speaking, that he's going to come from the first heaven down to the second heaven into the earth. The earth's going to swallow him, and, and they are going to bring forth salvation. In other words, he's not going to stay down there. He's going to come up as the salvation of all creation, of all the world. And then he says, and let righteousness spring up together. That is a really interesting phrase. Are we not the righteousness of uh, of God in Christ Jesus, right? When he went yeah, down right. into the lower parts of the earth, what's revealed to us is that he led captivity captive, right? So when God raised mm -hmm. him from the dead, now we understand the language Isaiah was using where it says, now let righteousness spring up together. Jesus is our righteousness, but it references other people. It talks about together, right? right? So he, right. he goes down into the lower parts of the earth, and when he's raised from the dead, the righteousness of Christ and Christ himself come up together, and the Lord proclaims, I've done this. I created it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> I feel his presence, right? So, so then we go to verse, and we're going to go quickly now because we got to hurry. So then we go to... Uh, to verse uh, uh, 9 and 10, and he begins to deal with the world. Because in, if you guys can read it later, but in verse 9 and 10, they start arguing with God. They start talking about, uh, in ver well, let's just read it real quick. Woe to him that strives with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Uh, shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, what are you making? Or your work, he has no hands. Woe to him that says to his father, what are you doing? What begettest thou? Or to your uh, or to your mother, what are you bringing forth? In other words, he's going to say, "What I have done here is not going to be understood by the rebellious, mm -hmm. by the right. wicked." They're going to still ask the question, "Ah, there's a God. What's he doing? He doesn't even have any hands. He's not real." And, and he says, "That's going to be the result." But the righteous are going to come up with him. Salvation is going to be brought forth by God. He said, I created salvation, right? So let's quickly yeah. go to verse 11. Let's go through verse 11 and 13, because then he goes on to answer those critics. And he says, thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker. He's referring to somebody, right? His maker. I made him. That, that, that formation of the light is what he's referring to. And he says, the Holy One of Israel and his maker ask me, he says, of things to come concerning my sons. So what he's doing in, in preaching back at those who are saying, what is it you're doing? They don't even get it, right? He says, that's not the right question. What you need to ask now is now I have sons. And you ask that, you, have, you need to begin to inquire what the heck is coming in the future, right? That's what Jeremy was talking about yeah. yesterday when he quoted Romans chapter 8, right? Uh, the, that, he, that the whole creation is waiting for what? The manifestation of what? The sons of God. Yes. That's what he's referring to here. Ask me about my sons. Because that's what's happened here by forming the light into a vessel and making him an offering, eradicating evil, and raising him from the dead with captivity captive. I now have sons. And he says, ask me about my sons, and concerning the work of my hands, ask me or command me. And listen to what he says. I've made the earth, again, here we are with the earth, right? And I created man upon it. He's not just talking about mankind. This is a specific individual he's referring to. He's referring to his son. And he's literally revealing what that vessel was that he formed the light into. And you'll see why when we go on. I've made the earth, and then I made man upon it. He's referencing Jesus. And how do we know that? Because of what he says here. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host I have commanded. And listen to this. I raised him up in righteousness. I will direct all his ways. That man he put on the earth, he says, and he shall build my city. Hallelujah. Glory yes, to God. Yes. <laughs> He's going to build my city, and he shall let go my captive. He's not doing this for price of reward, says the Lord of hosts. He has no hidden motive, right? He's doing this because I come to do thy will, O Father. And so yes. he, he tells them to ask the right question, to ask about the destiny of the sons of God concerning my sons. Jesus is the man that the Lord put on the earth. Because he's the builder of God's holy city. Do you remember what God said to him? I mean, what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, I go to prepare a place, right? I go to build a place for you. 
right? He's building that heavenly Jerusalem, right? And that's what Isaiah is revealing 800 years before Jesus even walked to earth. Now, let's go quickly because the result of this is going to be this. Chapter 20, I mean, verse 20, he says this. Now, he begins to address the Gentile nations. Listen to this. He says, assemble yourselves and come, come. Draw near together, you that are escaped of the nations. They, referencing the nations or the Gentiles or the pagans, they don't have any knowledge. They set up the wood of their graven images, and they pray to a God that cannot save. In other words, he's calling out a people from amongst the pagan nations, and he's basically referencing all the religions of the world. And he says, listen, the very act that we've been talking about that my son's going to do, the one that's going to build my city, the one that's going to come up out of the earth and lead captivity captive with a bunch of sons and all that, he, he now addresses the Gentiles and says, leave behind those false religions. They can't speak. Right. They have no life. And in verse 21, he says, tell them uh, and bring them near. That's evangelization, right? And he says, listen to this. He says, let them take counsel together. Let them begin to inquire. And he says, who hath declared this from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? He's referencing creation, what we've been talking about the last few days. He's literally saying, okay, guys, come out from the nation and then evangelize. Have them reflect on their dead religion. And then the catalyst for their belief is going to be the fact and what will distinguish me from all their false gods is that I told you what was going to happen way back in the beginning. He draws them to the prophetic scriptures. He draws them to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of prophecy, which reveals the Lord. That's what he means. Take counsel together, verse 21. Who has declared this from the ancient time? And then he says, and who has told it from that time? And then he says, have not I the Lord? There is no God beside me. I'm a just God. And what? Now he identifies, right? I'm a savior. There is none besides me. And then he says this, look unto me. And what? Be saved. Be saved. Right? All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. So literally he's saying, so let the prophecies and their fulfillment prove to you that I'm God and that I'm real and that I'm your savior. And he says, nobody else could do this. And now look at what he says in verse, in verse 23, as we conclude, he says, I have sworn by myself, listen to this, listen to the phrases he uses. The word is gone out of my mouth. That's Jesus, right? John said in the beginning was the word. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and it shall not return. What he's literally Ooh. revealing, because he started in verse 7 when he said, I formed the light. The light is the word, right? Because when the spirit moved on the face of the waters and calmed them down, it says that, and God said, right, let there be light. God spoke the word out of his mouth. And so what he's revealing in Isaiah is I spoke the light, my son, out of my mouth in righteousness. And that that expression, that separation of the son into the plan of God, he says, is not going to come back the same way that it left. When he comes back, he says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. My God. <laughs> That's what he says, right? That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess or swear. And then they'll say this. Surely shall one say, in the Lord I have righteousness. That's salvation by grace, right? I have My righteousness is of yeah. God. And he is my strength. And he says, even to him shall men come. To him, speaking of Jesus, shall men come, that formed light. And all that are angry at him will be ashamed. In the Lord shall the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. This is what God revealed in Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Enlarged through the prophet Isaiah, he gave the entirety of the history that will lead to the return of the Lord. This is the work of the Spirit. This is something 
that only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit could bring about. And we pray that in the in the coming days and weeks, we will begin to have much of these mysteries and much of the subjects that many of you have probably been asking questions about as you've listened to these things. We pray prayerfully by the Spirit as He allows, because we can only talk about these things as the Spirit allows. Uh, we begin to talk about the deeper things and the mysteries of iniquity and the mystery of godliness. Jesus is Lord, and he's coming soon. He is that light. As he said, I am the light of the world. And John said, he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And to those that receive him, to them, that is to us, will he give the power to become the sons of God. I pray you have a wonderful weekend. Brothers, would you like to close this out? And uh, and we'll see you guys again on Monday. We love you. Yes. Amen. Well, we just want to thank the Lord. Father, we thank you, God, for your word today that has gone out. And I, I just thank you. There's just so much richness in what you are revealing to us. So powerful, the gospel, right there in the beginning of Genesis and, and how the prophets confirmed that, Lord. And we thank you for the alignment of your word that is true, God. And everything, every piece of the puzzle is there, God. And I thank you, Lord, for our listeners. I want to pray over them this weekend, Lord, that you would be with them as they draw closer to you. That, God, that you would uh, bring over all of our lives a continuous hunger for your word, to know truth, God, Lord, to know you. Father, I pray, Lord, a blessing and that your protection be upon every family, Lord, and everyone listening uh, through this podcast, through the means of uh, iTunes, through the means of our website, whatever means, Lord, they are tuning in, Lord. We bless them, Lord, and we ask you to be with us. And, Lord, if, if you allow us, Lord, this Monday we'll come back again with the word. But thank you for this for this word today on this Friday. And help us to chew on it, to think and meditate on these things. And we ask you this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. May God bless you and keep looking up.